Welcome to Full Court Press, the podcast where two basketball fanatics think there should be a professional basketball league consisting only of celebrities and artists. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Felix. Before we get the show on the road, make sure to follow us on Instagram at fullcourtpress.to, which you can find in the episode description, and to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. We are on episode 21. Let's get it. All right, quick NBA fact for you basketball fans out there. Did you know that if Steph Curry right now went 0 for 500 on three-pointers and then retired, he would still have a higher three-point percentage than Ray Allen? Oh, say word. I didn't know that. That's fucking wild. It is so freaking wild, man. Yeah. It's it's because, you know, I wouldn't even believe it because... Like, if you told me that stat, I wouldn't believe it because sometimes he goes one for 11 or like like last night he did one for 11. Or like sometimes he just goes two for 10, right? So I, I find it really hard and especially how they're, they're guarding him. They didn't guard Ray Allen like that because Ray Allen was more of like an off-ball movement uh, shooter. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. Going off screens and shit. Yeah, man. Like he, like right now, like Ray Allen's um, three-point percentage by the end of his career is 40.01. Steph Curry right now, if he were to retire, his uh, three-point percentage would be 40.22%. Like, that's that's wild, what? man. Like, he is... Yeah, man. That's pretty close. I and mean, he still he missed... Five, if he went zero for 500, it still wouldn't affect it? Yeah. It would not affect it at all. It's crazy. I'm not good at math, but that, that doesn't sound right to me. But fuck, what the hell? <laughs> all right. So this episode's positive affirmation is... I'm choosing to no longer stress about the past or worry about the future. I am living in this very moment and will continue to be mindful of the present. I think one thing that's good about this positive affirmation is the fact that we kind of rob ourselves of living in the moment, of thinking about where you could be later on in life or what you could have done in the past. But to be present right now is all that matters and thinking of like what next steps you can do today and tomorrow. And that's it. Yeah, you know, you're right, because, like, I think it's hard nowadays to find people who are okay and centered by living in the present. I Honestly, I only know a handful of people who does that, because I, the rest of the people actually falls into, like, two categories where they worry so much about the past, and they worry about, like, what should be done different, or they miss the good old days, or whatnot. And there's people who worry about the future, or money, the house, kids. Um, what what are they going to worry about? And then even they're not even there yet. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes people mm-hmm. are neglecting not only themselves, but they're neglecting a lot of people and appreciating where they are right now and, and be present. Because you know, you're always changing every single time. You're not going to be the same person you were last month. So you just got to keep appreciating every single thing you have because you never know how long you're going to have it, right? Because you know nothing's exactly. guaranteed tomorrow. Especially Amen, all this man. shit is going Amen. on. It's all this shit is going on with the war. In Russia and 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 that that shit with uh, Israel, that's it's wild, bro. Like you don't know if this could be a, a a trigger to World War Three or something, but it's just it's fucking crazy. So you gotta appreciate every single thing you have right now. In this episode, Felix and I will try to hit the right notes and explore why basketball and hip hop have such a strong relationship with each other. But before we dive in, Felix. Talk to me quickly about Russell Westbrook's historic milestone in NBA history. What does this mean for the league, man? Like, like yo, you know, it's it's no it's no secret that it's actually a hot topic because you know what, Russell Westbrook just been recently doing this consistently, where he's um averaging triple doubles on the season. So even before he started, I don't think nobody no one thought that Oscar Robertson record would be broken. Even me, I didn't think so. But Russ, what it means to the league, I think it it doesn't really mean anything to the league. In my opinion, I think it's just solidifying him and his legacy because he's what? He's 32 turning 33. And, you know, he still doesn't look like he lost a step, to be honest. So I think he can play another four, four or five years, I think. And he's obviously going to keep racking it. I know he's going to be well over 200 by the time by the time it's all said and done. I'm just happy for him, actually, to be honest, because you know what? Um, people always criticize him as a player. What they've been, actually, ever since Cameron Durant left or after his MVP season, 
oh, he's not the guy. He's he's not the winning guy. He doesn't have the winning DNA. He has to come out of the first round since Kevin Durant uh, left him. Um, you can't complain that he doesn't have the player to play with. He had a Kevin Durant. He had even MVP form James Harden. So they always just, the media, it's so funny how the media works. It's all about story. So they always put down Russ. And then when Russ is doing this, it's like, I don't think it's not, I don't think it's being celebrated as much as it, it should be, to be honest. But my question to you will be, how did you feel when Russell Westbrook surpassed Oscar Robertson? How, and what do you think it means for him? Because me personally, him winning a chip is very far-fetched, in my opinion. I don't think he's going to do it. So the only legacy he's going to have is what he's going to do in his basketball career, outside of basketball, and basically triple-double. So I think him surpassing Oscar Robertson for you know the most triple-doubles ever in NBA history, that in itself is is a milestone for anybody, right? Because I'm, I'm like remembering some of the interviews. There was a clip that I watched recently of um, Jason Kidd, uh, LeBron James, um, even Magic Johnson saying Oscar Robertson's record will never, ever be touched, right? And the fact that Russell Westbrook did that, you know, within like the last five, six seasons is fucking incredible. The one thing, though, that people always give... Russell Westbrook in terms of criticism is the fact that obviously he doesn't have a championship ring, right? But there are so many great players who have impacted the game and have never won a championship. And that's going to always going to be that's always going to be a criteria when it comes to who's the best point guard of all time. So that's actually funny because I'm happy you said that because that's one of the other questions I'm going to ask you. Do you think he might go down as the best player never to win a ring? If he hasn't had a title for something, do you think that will be it? I think so. Yeah, I do think so. Because, like, given the fact that he's had so many great players playing alongside with him, right? He's only had one finals appearance in his time with OKC. He would probably be, yeah, the best player, or at least the best point guard, for that matter, to never uh, win a championship. Because the thing is, there are so, like, again, like I'll say it again, like, there, there are a handful of, of point guards and stars in it throughout NBA history who have never won an NBA championship, but we're so, so close. And, you know, the way that Russell Westbrook is playing right now, like transcends the way people play basketball. Like, can you imagine being like, I don't know, six, three, six, four, and just grabbing boards, doing what big men do or, or passing the rock in like the right moment, because what's so underrated and what's not even recognized with Russell Westbrook as a whole in terms of his game is his basketball IQ. I feel that throughout his career, he's always been seen as like the second option, obviously, when he was playing with Kevin Durant in OKC. And obviously, when Kevin Durant left from like 2015 to 2018, the man was fucking still averaging a triple-double because he was the number one option. And in my head, I was thinking, could Russell Westbrook still put up these numbers if Kevin Durant was still on his squad? And I say, yes, I say he could definitely still be averaging a triple double. Like he's, I don't care what people are saying in terms of, yo, he's a stat patter. He's a stat patter. I'm like, yo, shut the fuck up, man. I don't even think he cares about that shit. I think he just plays. He plays to fucking win. The dude has the heart of a warrior. He grinds it out like every single fucking game. He's, he's a hundred percent legit, man. Yeah. You know, he's not a stat patter. He's, he really isn't. It's just, if you, if you ever watch Russell Westbrook, he plays with passion. He plays, you know, like how Melo goes and he goes for the rebound and say, get the fuck out of here. That's him. That's yeah, legit. Exactly. That's legit, Russ. But um, this is what I'm going to say to you. I know you said this before, like how the league is soft and and like it's so much. E- I know you said it already, but you said that it's so much easier to get a triple-double nowadays than it was when Oscar Robertson was doing it. And I think that's the reason why people are not impressed with it because Oscar Robertson did it where it was Giants playing the game. Right. Right now, the league is in a small, small ball era. Right. So it is easier in terms of that because not many big players are playing. Right. Because the three goes plays a four and a four plays a five. But in terms of impressiveness, what are you who do you think is more impressive in terms of getting all the triple doubles? Oscar Robinson or or Russell Westbrook? Uh, Before you even answer that, here is a little comparison between both of them. Um, Oscar Robinson only had one season averaging triple double. But he could have easily done it with five straight seasons in his when he first started. It was only like 0. 0.5, 0. 0.1 off of like rebounds and shit like that. And Russell Westbrook averaged a triple double for the last five seasons. The only season he hasn't averaged triple double with was when he was playing James Harden, 
who also is a, a really good triple double machine. So they're all technically all point guards. You can be added hard into the mix. The only reason I find Russell Westbrook averaging triple double more impressively is because he's not a shooter. He does not shoot the ball properly. He's he's not. So in on paper, he is actually a, he you can defend him. You can defend him one on one. You just gotta force him to take a shot. Right? Harden just recently started doing triple doubles. And then you know why he does it so efficiently and why he's such a great facilitator? It's because he's a fucking scoring threat. You have to double team him. If he goes past by you, you have to add another defender. So it's easy for him to dish the rock. The rebounds is, I guess, the rebounds are is like a non-negotiable because I think it's a small ball line, a small ball era, like I said. So the rebounds gonna come. I just find Russ just more impressive just because of that. He doesn't shoot the ball. I think he shoots about twenty six percent off the field. He's a horrible three point shooter. On paper, he should be easy to defend, right? Or easy to like um to manage the perimeter, manage the other players, manage like you you can play one on one with with Russ. You can't play one on one with with Harden, even Oscar Robertson, right? So who do you think is so in terms of that with everything I just told you, which career in terms of triple doubles are you more impressed with? I'm gonna always I'm gonna say Russell Westbrook, and the reason being is first of all before I even go into an explanation as to why Russell Westbrook's you know, triple-double performances throughout his career so far is so impressive is the fact that Russell Westbrook had the luxury of of watching Oscar Robertson. You know what I mean? Oscar Robertson at the time, you know, in the 60s, and even before, like, the ABA and NBA merger, like, in the ABA days, Oscar Robertson was also still averaging a triple-double throughout his seasons in the ABA before um, they folded and, and joined the NBA. So... With that being said, Russell Westbrook has the or had the luxury of like witnessing greatness before he even knew that. And I'll and I'll I'll even say that I think he didn't even know he was he was averaging triple doubles until like the media again, you know, pushed that forward in terms of statistically what that means for uh, the league and the association as a whole. I think Russell Westbrook right now is like. You know, I think this is what his tenth or eleventh or twelfth season in the league. I think so, and too. he has right, and he still has a couple more years left, and that for sure he's gonna surpass two hundred. Yeah, you know, on on next in season. terms of like triple doubles. So, the next step is, you know, what does that what what does that really mean? What does that really mean for for, for Russell Westbrook? Um, again, I always say, yes, you're right. Like the rules were definitely different between Oscar Robinson. And Russell Westbrook's time and the fact that this league is small ball and it's more soft. Because the thing is, in the 70s, like you, you're right, like they had giants. They had no one in that entire decade ever won back to back championships. So it was so great and grind. Now it's more so getting, you know, to the bucket, to the yeah. basket. Like Russell Westbrook as a whole, his game, you're right. Like he's a horrible fucking shooter, right? It's easier to guard him one on one. But the thing is, on offense, you can't stop this motherfucker. He's he fast. Could, he could, he has a first he's step. fucking fast, right? The way that he attacks the rim. Like Giannis. Fucking four. Exactly. Exactly like Giannis. And fours and fives, like power forwards and centers, can't run the break like he can. No. Yeah, Obviously, right. you know, Charles Barkley was like the pioneer in saying, you know what? I'm, I'm a big man and I can run the break. You know, Carl Malone, same deal. But Russell Westbrook, on the other hand, he's attacking the rim firsthand. He doesn't care how many times he's going to get fouled. He's getting those shots up. And even if his stats on paper may look kind of skewed, saying if he shoots like 60% from the free throw line or or having a below 40% three-point percentage, who cares? He's getting you buckets. He's getting you buckets. Um, Russell Westbrook is just, he's dope, man. No, he is. And you know, I'm so happy that you said that Charles Barkley and Carmelo. Because you know how I said, where would you rank him if he's the, the most, if he's going to be the best player to never win a ring? I think it's a three-way tie between those three. I think it is a three-way tie for me. For um, Carmelo, Charles Barkley, and Russell Westbrook, if you're talking about point guards, I still think it's a tie between him and John Stockton, because Stockton fifteen thousand assists. That's still, I think for me, that's just as good as getting a triple double, because you can't even do that. Oh yeah, hundred percent, man. There's if if you like do sub readings of that, or even if you read between the lines of every single assist that John Stockton has, you know, you know, has influenced or has put, you know, all that umph to. That contributed to somebody else's double double. That contributed yeah. to somebody else's stats, oh, no, no, right? 100%. So, like pa- passing the rock and and realizing that the game of basketball is a team sport and not an individual sport. And that's what I mean by Russell Westbrook in terms of stat padding. He's not a stat padder because 
those numbers are a reflection of what he's doing for his team yeah. and for the players around him. I mean, like, think about it. The, the man only has Bradley Beal. Yeah. Everybody else right. is still fucking scrubs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what can you really say? And he's in freaking Washington. So, you know, and right now, obviously, he's like, the Wizards are going to be uh, playing in the playing tournament, it looks yeah. like. So, you got to give props to his game. There's no, no there's no way. And yeah, I, don't like, I don't like what people saying, like, oh, they're soft. That's why he's, the era right now is soft. That's why he can do it. You know, it's, so, it's, it's pretty interesting because, like, I had a conversation with one of my friends. And it's not about basketball, but it's, it, I can actually, I can actually relate it so hard with basketball. How, like, everyone knows, like, this generation right now is, like, you can't say certain things without offending someone. You can't say the same things you said 10 years ago where you can, where, where you say the same thing right now, you can offend maybe 10 people. And then you actually get into a, a big trouble, right? So by not saying the things you, you could say back, 10 years ago, we are kind of forced to be soft. If you don't want to, if you don't want to learn, you don't want to, sorry, maybe soft, it might be uh, triggering some other people, but I meant in a way where you have to watch what you're saying because you could offend people and it's not the same, it's not the same way you can say it back then where everything can say anything and, and some people were, were afraid to speak up and, and stand up for themselves. I am all for it, by the way. I, I like when people stand up for themselves and say, this is not right what you say because uh, you can offend a lot of other people, right? Remember like back in the day, we say we. I think the one word we say a lot was retarded, and like you, you don't know to be how many people are going through a a, a trial like that. And so with basketball, if you flip it on this side, like I said, we're forced to be not like I was. I'll still use the word soft because it is relatable. Forced us to be soft in terms of what to say. The league right now, the players are not soft. I think it's the way that is officiating, and the way the league is going is forcing the players to be soft. You know what I'm saying? I don't think any of the NBA players, I don't think Russell Westbrook is soft. I don't think LeBron's soft. I don't think Joel Embiid is soft, Carl Anthony is soft. It's just they're forced to be soft. They're playing with that circumstances so they can get away with a lot of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook averaging triple-double has nothing to do with the league is soft or not. So you got to take that out of, the, out of the equation. So this will lead to my next one where we're saying is Russell Westbrook, where would you rank him as your greatest point guard of all time? Would he be in your top five? What is your criteria with it? I want to know how you categorize your your list and and like well, how you categorize your list, like how you back up these information. Why you think X, Y, and Z is one, two, three, four, five? First of all, Russell Westbrook is not in my top five of all time in terms of point guards. He'd be in my top ten. Oh, he'd be in my top ten. Where okay. in top ten? Where in my top ten? Probably maybe seventh or eighth. Okay, closer to like yeah, seven, eight, nine. Like he's he wouldn't be he tier. wouldn't be a ten. Yeah, exactly. So my top five of all time in terms of point guards. First, when I came to measuring, you know, how I would come to like determine who I think is the best or one of the greatest point guards of all time, I measured it by championships. I measured it by the impact that player had on the game as a whole throughout their entire career and whether or not they were a pioneer in terms of revolutionizing the game the way they did it alongside with like some stats and also coaches because coaches are also an influential factor when it comes to ranking the greatest point guard or point guards of all time right like like russell westbrook hasn't had a phil jackson for example right so okay. yeah my first player right now i'd go with magic johnson hands down six nine revolutionizing you know the way the point guard position was being played being that tall yeah. as a center back in the day in the 80s you know he had three finals mvps three regular season mvps and five nba titles without a doubt showtime lakers he's definitely in the top five um, I I then would put definitely Oscar Robertson. And the reason being is because, again, pioneer, you know, being the first player to being a triple double machine, being a six time assist leader, being a rookie of a uh, rookie of the year in 1961, being the MVP in 1964 and, and only winning one NBA title. The thing is, if Russell Westbrook could have a similar like resume to Oscar Robertson. In that sense, of even if he won one NBA title, he'd be still considered one of the greats. And he may even enter the top tier in terms of top five point guards of all time. But he's not on it. He's not on my list, at least. So props to the big O. Uh, the next person I'd put in would uh, be Jerry West. And the reason why I put Jerry West is because, first of all, he's won an NBA title, right? He was one of the first players to be Mr. Clutch when it came to clutch moments. So when it came to clutch moments, he even won um, the finals MVP in 1969 and lost Mm -hmm. to the Boston Celtics, right? In Bill Russell's um, Boston Celtics. So 
the reason, you know, being that Jerry West was influential, he was a pioneer in his own right at that time. Um, and then I'll also put Steph Curry as, as my fourth player. Steph Curry, without a doubt, as a point guard, as he's he's playing the position that nobody else could could have played. Um, you know, he he obviously has three NBA titles under his belt. He's a two-time MVP um, throughout the league, and he revolutionized the three-point line the way that's being used. Like the game is played is a perimeter game now, right? That's that's a no-brainer. And then my last player that I would put is John Stockton. Okay. He could be compared in the sense of Russell Westbrook right now because right now throughout their careers, they both don't have rings, right? However, John Stockton is the leading assist leader throughout NBA history. He's revolutionized the way the ball is being distributed as a point guard in terms of pass first point guard mentalities. And he also had a great coach in Jerry Sloan. All these guys I just listed, Magic, Steph, Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, and John Stockton have all impacted the game on their own terms as a pioneer, whether that be Magic being the tallest point guard to run the break, Steph Curry shooting threes, Oscar Robertson being the first triple-double machine, Jerry West being Mr. Clutch, and John Stockton being a uh, pass-first point guard, as well as the majority of them, except for John Stockton, having a championship. That's what, to me, would determine who would be the greatest point guard of all time. However, Russell Westbrook right now, um, he's not in the top five, but he's definitely in the top 10. I'd say in the lower tier, I'd definitely put Jason Kidd and Steve Nash and Chris Paul because like, who's my sixth? My sixth would be Chris Paul. And the reason why I put Chris Paul is because again, in terms of measuring it, my impact on the game, everywhere that Chris Paul went, made a team better, made a team better. You know what I mean? And you know, obviously his mid-range game is fucking immaculate, so you can't even touch that. Um, and he's had the luxury of playing with decent big men and also a decent partner in the backcourt. So, you know, Russell Westbrook is is by his lonesome right now in terms of where he would rank as the greatest point guard of all time. But he's definitely in the top 10 for me, but uh, not in the top five. Yeah, I get you with Russell Westbrook. He's not in my top five either. I've seen people put him in number four, and I get it. I think it's just because of the hype. If you really... If you really re- Revise the list and see all the other point guards in NBA history. Um, you don't have to have to win a ring, but you have to at least show something that you you can you can go deep in the playoffs. He hasn't shown that ever since Kevin Durant left, right? Yeah, man. So he has to. He just has. To, he just has to compete. But the thing is, again, away. like right. That's the thing, and, and that's right. And that's the thing. Like right now, competing means having another two or three people who have who have your back. Yeah, you so, know what I mean. Going back to your list. I do agree, but I will take Jerry West out. See, the th- the reason why I kept Jerry West in, though, is because for 12 of the 14 seasons he's played in the NBA, he was listed as a point guard, and he played a point. He played the point guard. Even though I know, like, people see him as a shooting guard, like, I, I still see him as a point guard because, you know, like, Will Chamberlain was, in, was on his last legs as well as Elgin Baylor. So at that time, Jerry West was the man, and, and I, I, I have to give props to Jerry West. You know, I have to give props to the logo. Pioneers, yeah. man, pioneers. No, you're you're 100 right. Without the logo, without Oscar Robinson, you want to have, you want to have John Stockton, you want to have uh, uh, Russell Westbrook, right? I want to put Chris Paul in my top five. Uh he could just because I'm moving Jerry West, he could be stayed there for me, my six. Um, I put Magic number one, and kudos to you because people like to measure rings a lot, and I thought you were I thought you were going that way because you said with well, Magic Johnson, but then you did explain every single person did revolutionize the game in some sort of. Uh, part in their in their career, right? And Magic Johnson already did. I think he is. I think he is is the number one best point guard of all time. Number two, I have no no argument with the Oscar Robertson. I would just put John Stockton at number two, just because I know he never win a ring. But come on, bro. If you say I can never win a ring, and you're facing Hakeem, you're facing Michael. Like that's nothing to be ashamed of. And, and you still going to the final. Exactly. And that's the thing. That's the thing. Like that's that's nothing to be ashamed of. Like losing the greats, man. Like that's why I put him number two. And and this is going to be my next question after this, but his 15,000 assist is never going to be broken. 100% never going to be broken. My third, I will be Steph Curry. Steph Curry did revolutionize the game in a sense where, like, like he's is he a pure point guard like the other two and the, the rest of the people I'm going to mention? No. I'm, I see him more of a shooter slash, like, like you know, people say pass first is, is number one trait. He's a shooter first, and and he has, and then he's a pass first. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know he's also he's one of those rare point guards. He plays really well off the ball. He doesn't need the ball in his hand. He plays amazing off the ball. Um, 
you already know what Steph Curry did for his, his career. You already know he revolutionized the game according to three-pointers. Number three for Steph Curry. Number four, I'll put Oscar Robertson. You already explained why. I have no arguments. That's exactly what it is. Number five, it's not because I'm biased, but it's Steve Nash. Oh, my God. And the only reason I put Steve Nash, because he is legit the pioneer of what the era we're watching right now. He really is. And and he's so one he's, of, the mod- he's like he's he's the modern he's the modern take of John Stockton. Yeah, he's like yo, bro. He's the modern take of John Stockton, and he's like like what Dan Tony wanted with Harden and Chris Paul had. He's actually a Steph Curry too, in my opinion. He doesn't have the green light to shoot, right? He was he was a definition of pass first. Ten thousand assists speaks for itself, right? He's gonna be number four because Chris Paul is gonna eventually pass it. But Steve Nash, bro, with the fast paced arrow we are in right now, it started with him. And you cannot tell me it did not. I can show you proof. He has six of the 12 most offensive, uh, offensively efficient scoring fucking teams. Three with Dallas and three with fucking Phoenix. He, was he, was he a great point guard through in the beginning of his years? No, but he gradually went up. And when he went and when he got, when they, when he signed for the Phoenix Suns, he won MVPs back to back times. And he, and he flipped that Phoenix Suns team really well. You know what I'm saying? So those are my five. Uh, Russell Westbrook would, probably be on like I'll be Chris Paul chasing kid and then I'll probably put Russell Westbrook 8 or 9 this leads to our segment which I'm pretty excited about right um hip hop rap culture mixing with the NBA culture and I think it was a huge huge hit in our generation starts with the 2000s right there are so many great examples where you can you can mix the two even when you brought this segment up with me, and I know you can testify this, the first thing that, that, that clicked in my head was the blackout at Rucker Park. I don't know if a lot of people know this. I think it's more of our generation. I don't think the new generation would know because if that wasn't the songs or the, the music they were bumping to, right? For me, I knew it. I love Fat Joe. I think at that point, I love Fat Joe more than Jay-Z. You know, Make It Rain with Lil Wayne, bro. Oh, that was my, that was my tune when I was fucking 13 years old. <laughs> But uh, so let me give you a little taste of Blackout with Rucker Park. And whoever's listening to this, just compare this with like a modern day, maybe Drake and maybe J. Cole. You know what I'm saying? So Rucker Park is a famous ball court where all the best street ballers were legit playing with NBA players. These NBA players playing on offseason and whatnot. What got so much hype is what Diddy was bringing around our test. And then this inspired other hip-hop artists to make their own teams, a.k.a. Fat Joe, made his Terror Squad, right? You know, if you know Fat Joe, you know all about Terror Terror Squad, right? Some of the names he played, that played for Fat Joe was Jermaine O'Neal, Stephen Marbury, Rafael Austin, and etc. These are all street ballers, right? These guys, and this one lead to another, lead to our, our further discussion, but these are the people who actually grew up in the same circumstances. They understand each other. That's why I believe hip-hop and 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 uh, basketball just go, go just coincide one on one, you know. At that time, it was must see TV. Believe it or not, Bill Clinton was watching that. David Stern had to check it out, right? But I know David Stern, bro. David Stern like, was probably checking out to see if it was, it was legal or everything is good, you know. <laughs> but in two thousand three, Jay Z started a team, and he quickly fell in love with everything about it, right? And then you know what Jay Z did? He took some of Fat Joe's players, and then that's when the rivalry was born. Jay-Z was talking, Fat Joe was talking. It was like, it was like a modern Madison in the Palace type of thing, you know? Like, you just went, you're waiting for that confrontation. And Jay-Z has some pretty good players of his own too. Like, he has Sebastian Telfair, Jamal Crawford. And then they actually made a title game for August 14, 2003. And, and actually, it was so funny. They allowed, to, they allowed teams to bring in any roster additions, which is fucking crazy, right? Because you know what? In, in retrospect, Jermaine O'Neal, Stephen Marbury, Ravel Austin, Sebastian Telfair, Jamal Crawford, they're not big names, right? It's maybe a Jermaine O'Neal at that time, but the 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 rest not too not too big compared to the to the rest of the roster that I'm going to bring up right now, because Jay Z was going to take advantage of that 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 little deal where you can bring other additional people. So guess who he had? LeBron James, Tracy McGrady, Shaquille O'Neal. That's fucking wild, bro. I don't want to fucking face that. Yeah, I know LeBron James is like still 18, but yo, shut the fuck up, bro. I don't want to face that team. Everybody was ready to play. Jay Z. Even tried to line up cars to light up the court because of, but because it was a blackout, right? So unfortunately, the police shut it down and never happened. Fat Joe's squad was actually there early, like two hours early. He was waiting and it never happened. That for me, this was like 
how old were we, bro? We were young. So when I first heard of it was when I was um, maybe about 15, 14. And it was just like, that's fucking wild. Because imagine that shit went down. That probably be like the poor man's all-star game where you don't have to pay tickets. You just full on go there. First person there, you're, you're sleeping in a sleeping bag and you're ready for all these people to show up. Because street ball back in the day, bro, mm, that shit's to die for, bro. Have you heard of that story, bro? Have you heard about that happening or you didn't even know that this was this was this even wasn't a rap. So I didn't know about I knew about like and one mixtapes. I knew about like Streetball. I knew that Ray for Austin also went by Skip to My Lou. Like I knew because uh, I was that was the one of the first on hand basketball experiences in terms of consumption that I've ever had, like watching. And then I was like, okay, so and one mixtapes to me were like the equivalent of like breakdancing for basketball. You know what I mean? A kind of like rebellion like, but then also showed some flair. But with this whole, you know, greatest, you know, streetball game that never, never, ever happened at Rucker Park. Like that was like, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. And that that's actually pretty wild. If that shit actually went down. Oh, my God. The publicity, the ratings that NBA players would have alongside with these artists. That would have been crazy, man. It would have been wild. So, like, go on now to, like, talk about um, Rock Nation. Like, yeah, what do you have on Rock Nation? Rock Nation is basically something created by Jay-Z. And he has, like, all these t- different sports as he signs athletes from. He has from baseball to basketball to cricket. Fucking cricket, bro. Esports, football, even rugby. He has so many sports and he signs all these players. It's kind of like signing to, like, Nike or signing to Adidas. Right. So, you know, here's some notable uh, basketball players, Alfro Camino, Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving, Lonzo Ball, Crumb Butler, uh, bro, Chris Boucher is on that. DJ Augustine, like uh, even some some WNBA players. Uh, there's Danny Green, Daniel House Jr., Dennis Smith Jr. Bro, the, the list goes on. And and that's crazy because like, you know, Nike and Adidas, it's understandable, right? You're going to make your own shoe. But going with Rock Nation, it just goes with the topic today. Like how, and this is going to lead to this question because why do you think Emmy players are so so easily influenced or eager to collaborate with hip hop artists? Is it because of this? And like I said earlier, like while I was explaining the, the story, is it because of the same upbringing, right? Because you know they're both they're kind of in the same culture. You know, you, you you're in a very you're growing up with very difficult circumstances, right? And even if you, let's say like in the 2000s or even when you're even when you were still playing in 90s all the NBA players I think that's how even how I fell in love with hip hop and rap because when I was watching basketball they always listen to you always see what, what what they're listening to you listen to Snoop Dogg Tupac Biggie Jay-Z Kanye Fajo you know they even if you weren't a hip hop artist at a time and you weren't a professional NBA player doesn't matter what circumstances you're living to you're everyone always tune into that type of genre so so that's my question like why do you do you, do you agree what i just said there or maybe you have a different opinion and here's my two my, my part, second part of that question what decade do you think was most was heavily influenced by hip-hop culture so the reason why i think nba players always want to collaborate or have some type of relationship with hip-hop artists is one you're right definitely the fact that they have some type of similar upbringing the way that they were grown up but the thing is if you think about just the sport of basketball as a whole that's probably the most affordable sport a kid can play when they're younger you know what i mean like all you would need is just to go to a basketball court if there's one in your neighborhood and then just invite a couple of your neighbors or the neighborhood kids over and be like yeah let's go play some basketball right it's one of those sports that seemed to be you know, a global phenomenon in the sense that it is so easy to obtain. It's not like baseball where you have to go out and get gloves. You have to go out and get a baseball bat. It's not like cricket where you have to have certain types of instruments or even like hockey, for that example. You need to have access to like an ice rink. Basketball was an all-seasonal sport. Whether you were in high school, elementary school, college, there is always going to be a recreational gym. There's always going to be an outdoor basketball court. And all you needed was one person with a goddamn fucking ball. And that's it. Right. That's that's number one. Number two, the reason why I think that NBA stars have a strong collaboration or have a strong relationship with hip hop artists is because NBA stars growing up listen to hip hop as a whole. You know what I mean? Like that's something they would listen to growing up. And this goes and this coincides with the whole you're like yin and yang, like one cannot live without the other. Yeah. And the fact that um, 
NBA stars and NBA players have always loved listening to hip hop. And hip hop artists have always loved watching basketball games. Like I know Chris Webber growing up when he was before the Fab Five and stuff like that. He had Big Daddy Kane on his wall growing up. You know what I mean? Like you have all these NBA players that wanted to be as famous as rappers that wanted to be as, you know, great in that sense of light of having that type of recognition. And, you know, on the flip side, hip hop artists want to be known as, you know, having that athletic stardom that I can actually do more than just what I'm good in terms of writing down shit on paper or, you know, whatever I can give my two cents to society. That's what I think they literally go hand in hand. One cannot survive without the other. And now to answer your second question of um, the best decade, I guess, or like where it kind of began, where hip hop culture began, like obviously people know that if you're a true hip hop head, hip hop consists of like four elements, you know, DJing, you know, making music via record players and turntables and DJ mixers, you know what I mean? With DJ Cool Herc and all that stuff. Grandmaster Flash in the 70s in the South Bronx of New York. Like that began, that's where hip hop's origins and roots began. And then you also have the rapping element, you know, being an MC, being a master of ceremonies and rhythmic vocal rhyming styles, like having that voice, you know what I mean? Like people were actually voicing their opinions out, voicing like their 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 livelihoods, like what it's like to be to be me. And that's important because people at that time, we didn't really have a they didn't really have a voice to like say what they can and can't do because obviously with systemic racism and all that shit, it all comes into play, right? Um, depending on your socioeconomic class and all that other other stuff it's important third element being graffiti painting you know also known as graph or writing like that was also part of the hip-hop culture and then finally breakdancing you know a form of dance that can also encompass the overall attitude and style of what hip-hop truly was so with those four elements in mind keeping those four elements in mind i guess i would say the 80s and 90s that decade is when it started to progress as a global phenomenon because looking back on the 70s with grandmaster flash and emceeing in the disco era, all, of the, all especially with music as a whole in terms of hip hop, they all had, you know, they all derived from like um, funk with James Brown or or soul or or or, or um, rhythm and blues because it all and jazz is especially jazz as a whole too because you have all these musical elements that play, you know, an important part of how hip hop is being produced and mass produced today. You know what I mean? So yeah. with the decades, you know, in the eighties with Run DMC. And Beastie Boys, it was becoming more modernized and mainstreamed, right? And then you transitioned into more gangster rap in the yeah. 90s with, with Tupac and Biggie and the whole e- East Coast versus West Snoop. Coast beef, you know, Bad Boy Entertainment versus um, Death Row Records and shit. Like that was like projected onto almost every single television screen growing up if you were a teenager back then. And then now, now it's kind of like entering the 21st century and kind of like you know, hip hop right now, it's melding everything from the past and making it its new newer sound. And I would call it like cultural recycling in the sense that sampling is a big thing. Kanye West being a pioneer in sampling, you know what I mean? So basketball and hip hop have always go hand in hand. And if you want, if the best analogy I can give right now off the top of my head is the way that Russell Westbrook has had the luxury of watching Oscar Robertson accomplish his triple-double performances is the way that up-and-coming hip-hop artist today has had the privilege of witnessing a Grandmaster Flash, a Jay-Z, a Lil Wayne, um, a Wu-Tang Clan, you know, any of these. It's salt and Pepper, like, you know, female, first female rap group and stuff like that. It's, it's fucking mind-boggling and it's fascinating and it's sick. Yeah, bro, like, you fucking nailed everything I wanted to say. Because it is a vice versa thing between hip hop and, and basketball, and it just started like I, it just started early. Like it's a, it was a foundation. Me, and my opinion, the late '90s, early 2000s were skyrocketed, which it was okay to collaborate. You can start start collaborating with other, and I think it all started with the with the Walker Park thing, right? So it, it, it's, it's it's fucking phenomenal because you know same thing. We're like even at a young age, where these hip hop artists, or future hip hop artists, what did they do in their free time? They play basketball and street. They play street ball, and what did the basketball players used to do? If they're not playing streetball, they're they're sharing their music or they're, or they're rapping, right? So this leads actually to my next question. I'm I'm pretty interested what you're gonna say, but what is your favorite song that included? Oh no, maybe not a song because not everything's gonna be about one player. What's your favorite 
bar or line from a from a hip hop song that included your NBA player. Here's mine. It's from the song called Push from uh for Ro- I don't even know how to say his name. Monk. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> and this is so funny because it's not about an NBA player that you think someone will talk about. <laughs> but here, here's here's the bar. My accurate job connects like a rotary. Make you notice me. Be like, damn dudes on some totally. When he arrives in baseline, it's like Ginobili. That's <laughs> fucking Ginobili, bro. And the other one is Jay-Z Pump It Up Remix. Um, here's a here's a bar. I'm the Mike Jordan of the mic recording. Hovi, baby, you Kobe, maybe Tracy McGrady. Matter of fact, you're Harold Miner, GR writer, washed up on marijuana. Even worse, you a perverse Ellison. You worthless fella. You ain't no athlete. You're Sean Bradley. Worry, I'm not the Mike Jordan or the Mike Recorders. Hovi, baby, you Kobe, maybe Tracy McGrady. Matter of fact, you a Harold Miner, JR Ryder, washed up on marijuana. Even worse, you a purpose Ellis, you worthless fella. You ain't no athlete, you Sean Bradley. And these are like old school, these are like mid-2000s where, where we grew up with, right? And like, and now with a newer generation, with Drake, J. Cole, always, they're always going to be some relationship. And, and like any album they're going to release, mentioning an NBA player, right? Drake always mentions Steph Curry, LeBron James. Even fucking LeBron James was in that music video forever with Drake, Eminem, Lil Wayne, right? The collaboration between NBA stars and, and, and hip hop artists is just growing and growing and growing. I think it's more poignant now than it will ever, will it ever was. Cause now with all the rap songs and the album, Shaq made one, Dame Dalla, Victor Oladipo, Lonzo, fucking Lance Stevenson made one, LeBron James had a, had a song like Low Key, Lou Will, KD, Aaron Gordon, Kobe, the list can go on, right? But what about you, man? What, what is your favorite lyric from the song mentioning NBA player? Um, I only have one song that I really like, and it's pretty recent that mentions the NBA player, and it's because it mentions my favorite NBA player right now, Devin Booker. Uh, Sicko Mode. That's it, man. <laughs> That's it. Like, yeah. like when, when I heard that, I was like, that song as a whole, that gets me hype, man. Like, I remember playing... Um, you know, there's a court by uh, the Esplanade in St. Lawrence Market in that area. And me and my friends used to play there um, before COVID, obviously. And we would just bump that song while we're shooting shots before we play like a pickup game. And whenever I hear that line, when I shoot my shot, that shit wetty like I'm check. See the shots that I took. Hey, wet like I'm booked. Hey, I was like, what? When I shoot my shot, that shit wetty like I'm check. See the shots that I took. Wet like I'm booked. Hey. Like, I was just like, like I was, I was hype about that. And the beat, with, the beat was so fucking lit in the background. Yeah, man. Though. Like, that's the only song. Because, like, that... Because, like, if I'm thinking... And the only reason why I say that is because the way that music plays with basketball is just the rhythm as a whole and the beat. Like, particularly the beat. You know, like, the, the percussion instruments play a huge role in terms of basketball because you can use that beat as a dribbling technique to further enhance your handles. You know what I mean? So let me finish that off before we go to the next topic. If you go to an NBA, NBA game before COVID, what songs are they playing? They're all playing hip-hop songs, man. They're all playing hip-hop songs, even in the warm-up, to hype them up. You know what I'm saying? So the collaboration is just, it's just phenomenal. And I think it's always going to be the one and two, A and B. And it's going to lead to the next thing because we talk about all these NBA players, you know, love to... Like they love to to transition to making a rap album or a hip hop album, whatever it is, right? J Cole signed a contract with the African League. I fuck with J Cole so heavy. Anyone who knows me, they know that. I'm just happy because he's one of those one of those uh, hip hop artists where it's just he don't give a fuck about clout. He doesn't care about ratings. He doesn't care if if the album is not as bad, it's not as good as or doesn't sell as much as Drake. He puts everything with his heart is, and he lives for the. He's another person who lives for the moment so for him going to, to the african league is it, a huge huge step because you know what the crossover usually was always one-sided where the nba players uh decided to make a a song or whatever usually the rappers and the hip-hop artists they play in the all-star celebrity games right but now to see someone like jay cole in his caliber to go play in an african league how he's gonna do i am not sure 
we all watched the videos on Instagram where his the the you know the pickup game in 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 the, in the gym with like Melo and all those cats, right? And he fucking kills it. He he's a good he has a good jump shot, right? And he can fucking dunk. Do you think the outcome of J. Cole's career in the African League will set the precedent of future crossovers? And how do you think he's gonna fare? Like how do you how well do you think he's gonna do um in the African League, right? Because it is a big jump, right? Like he just played street ball. Street ball and basketball is obviously different. Uh, the transition is different. I don't I don't know too much about the African League, so I can't talk about them at to a point. What do you think is the outcome of this? And do you think if you see if he does really well? Or he does pretty well. Uh, do you see other future artists doing the same thing? Yeah, so the way I see it is, right now it's kind of hard to answer that question because J. Cole's the first, person, uh, the first person to do it. I think what he can do and what he is doing right now is he's being that first avenue. The first avenue to um, investigate and, and look forward to that, holy shit, I can be a fucking rapper and then also have another career on the side of being a basketball player right but that's the thing like i said again like basketball and hip-hop go hand in hand in the sense that you know we always see people for what they are known for doing if you're a bus driver i'll i will only know you as a bus driver but i won't know that you're a fucking father i won't know that you're a brother i won't know that you have all these other hobbies in mind um kobe bryant is a great example the fact that even after his um after after he retired um, Kobe Bryant had a huge, huge passion for film and cinema like that, like basketball players always had some type of niche that they were accustomed to. You know what I mean? And yeah. they, 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 they relegated in it and they, they pursued their other passions. And that's the whole point of, of living your life to the fullest of focusing on the now of, of, you know, J Cole pursuing a career in basketball in Africa is inspiring because it shows all the rappers and also other hip hop artists saying, you know what? If you don't even have to play basketball, if you're, um, if you're a rapper, if you're a hip hop artist, if you want to have a doctorate, a PhD in something, fucking go for it. If you want to work for you know nonprofit organizations that support something that you're really you know deeply and truly passionate about, go for it. It's all about that go for it mentality of like not giving up on yourself. Exactly. That's you know the thing at the end of the day. Um, and then to answer that second part of your question. I don't know. I don't know if that I don't know if J. Cole's identity or his just his entire mantra as a whole of him being a rapper going over to Africa to play basketball, if that will ever cross over with with rappers like now. And I agree there are a handful of great rappers and hip hop artists that can play proper basketball and have a decent like arsenal in their game. But right now I can I can truly and honestly say I have no idea. I'm excited for J. Cole because I want to see him succeed. I love to see him do well because you know I fuck with him heavy. Um, but you're right. I don't know if other hip hop artists will follow his suit because yeah, African league is a stretch. Like you're basically leaving your whole lifestyle in the back burner just to go Africa and and just only play basketball, right? Now, a lot of people might not even want to do that. To finish the topic, my last question: In your opinion, who is your best basketball hip hop artist or rapper right now? Me. I love uh, Dame Dalla, bro. Yeah, man, for sure. Like Damian Lillard, Dame Dalla, bro. He's so, with Victor, a, he's Victor Oladipo has a nice voice. Victor Oladipo does have a nice voice too, but Dame Dalla cannot be touched, man. Like this guy's the king. Like he is out to get people. It doesn't matter. Like he actually loves loves like the art form, and that's what that's what's amazing about him is yeah. because he's embracing it. Like his his track "Sorry" with Lil Wayne is fucking dope. Another player that I really like that you got to listen to is uh definitely Lou William. Lou Williams like like yes. sweet Lou. If he's not in the gym, you know, he's often in the studio in like LA or back home in Atlanta and he's just recording shit. Like his I think I believe he did like a verse or a couple bars on uh, Meek Mill's I'm a boss. It's fucking dope. Like Lou Williams is the shit as well as Iman Shumpert. Yo, that guy can that guy can yeah. he could rap too. And he has like the aesthetic in terms of like having a proper music video like handlebars. Like, check that out. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, those three for me, Damian Lillard at the top. Then I'd probably put Lou second, Lou Williams second, and then Iman Shumpert third. Like, those are my favorite NBA players that can actually perform well in terms of, in terms of hip-hop. Like, I think, I think 
I think that would be my list. All right, bro. You know, that was a fucking fantastic conversation. I love always having these conversations with you, bro. Um, basketball is, is always more than basketball. And, and I love this hip hop and, and rap uh, collaboration that we did with, you know, past and present basketball players. Let's go to our game today, bro. This game is a new game. And it's basically best player to wear the same jersey. I'm going to give you two players who always who wore the same jersey at one point in their career. At least there's always a guideline. So I'm pretty sure uh, more than five years wearing the same jerseys and has a really good career. Um, and you pick who, which one you think had a better career, or which one was a better player. All right. Okay. Based off jersey number? Just based on jersey numbers. Okay. Cool. Count me in, man. Three, two, one. Dwayne Wade or Chris Paul? Dwayne Wade. Steve Francis or Stephen Marbury? Ooh. Um, Steve Francis. Oscar Robertson or Amari Stronomar? <laughs> Big O. Oscar Robertson. Tracy McGrady or Derek Rose? Ooh. Uh, T Mac. Chauncey Billups or Penny Hardaway? Ooh, Chauncey. Chauncey. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? MJ. Duncan or Garnett? Duncan. Hakeem or Shaq? I gotta, I gotta go, I gotta go, Hakeem. I gotta oh, go, Hakeem. Yeah, man. Paul Pierce or Charles Barkley? Um, Paul Pierce. Really? Oh, yeah, man. No one that. gives respect to Paul Pierce, bro. I don't know, man. I, 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 char- I have Charles. Magic or Shaq? Magic. I'm nothing oh, against gosh. Shaq. I just think, like, career-wise, man, like, Carmelo or Dr. J. Dr. J. Wow. Amari Stradamari or, or Kevin McHale? McHale. Fucking man of a thousand moves. Rip Hamilton or Blake Griffin? Ooh. I gotta go Rip. Rip Hamilton. And last, Kareem or Patrick Ewing? Kareem. Kareem the dream. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to Full Court Press. And we'll catch you in the next episode.